So I want to share with you uh, this morning from um, uh, Luke chapter, um, chapter 1 and verse 26. And I want to talk to you in uh, this message, this Advent message, about the faith of Mary. Mary, of course, has this faith that is consuming her. She has this encounter with Gabriel, the angel, that changes everything. And of course, you've heard many sermons about Mary. You've heard many sermons about what took place at that moment and how God moved in her life. Let's remind ourselves of some words here. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. A descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Let's just pause there and consider exactly what is taking place. A young teenage girl experiences an angelic visitation and tells her that even though she is a virgin, she is going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Wow. This is quite a moment. We know that what Mary needed was profound and deep faith at work within her life. Because this was a moment. Now, we know what Christmas is about, ladies and gentlemen. We know that Christmas is about the illumination of God coming into the world with the gift of Jesus to bring light into this world and to make a difference. Christmas is about that. We know that Christmas is about reconciliation, that God and man and the relationship has been broken and the relationship is going in opposite directions. And yet through the ministry of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, and through his crucifixion, and through his resurrection, one day we now experience a reconciliation between God and man, and you and I live in a glorious relationship with God, and we know that I was once alienated from God, but now I am completely reconciled to God within my life. What an amazing thing. That I was a renegade, that I was lost, that I was, I was in the wilderness of my own sinfulness, unable to help myself, unable to find my way out of this. And yet, through the birth of Jesus Christ and his gift to the world, I now have a compass for my life. I now have a saviour in my life. I now have received the joy of being born again and the joy of experiencing the presence of the living God within my life. Christmas gave me that. Mary was part of it because she was the vessel that God chose. She gives us a gift, a gift of faith. A beauty that as you read the Christmas readings this, this season, we understand what this young girl from this small village would have gone through and what she would have faced. But Mary's faith. Often we think that the angel comes to Mary and it's, if we don't read the text correctly or we've 
seen so many children's nativities, we miss the nuances of what's going on. We miss the moment the angel appears and you kind of get the idea that she was like, oh, great, I'm going to be pregnant. Hooray. I'm the servant of the Lord. Yippee. It wasn't quite like that. And the verses tell us that the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Look at this construct of this verse. First of all, we learn that in the very context of this verse, that Mary was thoughtful about what she was being presented, and she was thoughtful about what was going on. God was coming to her with the greatest gift of humanity, the supernova event of all time, the event that would change history, that would change creation, that would change the universe, and we know that she receives this with Thoughtfulness. Sometimes it's in Christian faith, we often, we often don't step into thoughtfulness enough as we should. It was thoughtfulness at that moment, and she was what? She was troubled. She, there was something stirring within her heart. There was something that was happening. She was unsure about this. She was finding it difficult to come to terms with. The, the writer clearly illustrates to us that this was a, a, a troubling moment whereby she had to say to herself, what is happening? Do I accept this? What is taking place? I am thinking about this, and this is actually troubling me right at this moment. Now, people often say to me, Pastor Phil, I, uh, I don't want to uh, become a Christian because I'm too, um, you know, I'm too questioning. Well, I don't want to become a Christian because I'm a cynic. I don't want to become a Christian because you know those church people, those people that go to church, they really do come to church and as they enter church, they hang up their coats and they take their brains and they hang those as well. And that Christianity, you know, is somehow for those who are of the weak-minded nature, for those who are unintellectual, for those who really don't think about things. I reject that. I reject it. And even as you look at Mary, Mary is using the full force of her intellectual power to consider, to think, to conceive what is going on. And does she accept this? What is taking place? How do I know this? I know this by this little word, wonder. The English version is a little weak here, I'm afraid. The Greek captures it more, but maybe it's such an, a fascinating subject that if you actually wrote a kind of direct interpretation of it, it wouldn't be quite, it has wonder about it, it has ponder about it, but the word wonder is actually in the ancient Greek, it is an accounting term. She's weighing it up. 
She's literally, what it means is, she's doing a spiritual audit on what on earth is going on in her life. And she's trying to work out, is this true? Is this false? Does this add up? Is this happening? This is like a, you know, the one thing we hate as Canadians is audits. From CRA, right? I hear the gentle laughter amongst you. That moment, it's a bit of a shock when I moved from England. I met somebody here this morning briefly from Wales and from England. And, they were, and, and we know that it's a bit of a shock when you move to Canada. And that you, even though you may have a full-time job, you still got to put in your accounts. Never did that in England. Only the hardened self-employed have to do that in England. The rest of the time, the government just take, take the money straight from your account. And, you know... It's just the way that Boris likes it. Um, Oh, Thursday evening after the seniors banquet, I was in front of the TV, let me tell you. But but it's that, that sense that she is examining the facts and examining her heart and weighing it together and asking herself, is this really God or did I eat too much hummus and, and did this affect this hallucination and in fact, am I, am I going the right direction? Is this correct? Is this true? Is it? And, and she is applying a whole intellect, a whole spirit to working out what is taking place in my life right now because the angel Gabriel has just appeared to me. Can I just say that as a Christian, it is a very good thing to think. That as a Christian, it is very good to ponder. As a Christian, it is very good when you believe that God is speaking to you and revealing himself to you. It is a very good thing for you to wonder and to weigh it up and to do a spiritual audit and to discern what the voice of God is in your life. So you understand exactly as a whole person what God is speaking to you. She had to go through this. Though it's a small verse, there's a lot of layers to it. Of God presenting a calling, a mission. Of God presenting a gift of a baby. See, the danger is being wise, modern people of the 21st century with our smartphones and our apps and our clever things you can buy these days. You know, we bought a new fridge recently and we had the option to have a screen on our fridge so we could watch Netflix. (laughs) Oh, how intelligent the modern world is. I can watch Netflix while I open the fridge, hallelujah. I could also have an option to buy a fridge with a camera inside so that I can look from my smartphone, from my office at the church, what's inside the fridge and what I need. But I've got to scan everything in first and then it tells me the date of when it's, you know, I'm just like, I just want a fridge. 
that makes ice, actually. Kids really like ice. We somehow think that we are more intelligent than the ancient world. We somehow think that we, they were far more um, kind of less intelligent. They were less bright. They were less able to understand intellect and to reason and to understand the world that they lived in. And this is nonsense. We may have in- invented smartphones, but I don't feel they're making us any smarter. Mary, with her whole intellect, she applied herself and she said, what is actually going on? You see, as we know, the whole of the Jewish world had taught that actually God becoming man was ridiculous. In the same way that the whole of the modern world is taught that there's no such thing as the supernatural work of God, no such thing of the transformation of the power of the gospel, no such thing as a God becoming real to you in a personal way, and that the modern world is skeptical about all this. And to bring people to Jesus, we have to get people over their, their, their doubts about that there's a fact, that there's a God that exists, and the fact that this God wants to have a relationship with us and the fact that this is a glorious supernatural event that happens in a human being's life that God becomes real to us yes so I've got to take a modern person over that objection to experience salvation and the power of the gospel But in the same way, in the ancient world, Mary had to get over the objection that God could never become man. For a Hebrew, that sounds a bit Greek. It sounds a bit, you know, gods and men and all of that nonsense. Oh, we don't like this. But here we have the Messiah, but the Messiah is just not a superhuman man. The Messiah is God himself who comes into the world and goes through every human suffering because to redeem humanity, it could only be done to redeem and break the power of sinfulness. This great universal sinfulness could only be broken by the great universal God who comes and redeems humanity. And she had to work this out. And so it's not surprising for a moment that she, one could say, doubts. One could say that she questions. One could say that she struggles. Who of you, when you came to faith, did not doubt, did not struggle, and did not question? Who of you have not doubted and struggled and questioned? I mean, we have two. There's Mary asking, how can this be? What are you talking about? And we have um, Zachariah, who the angel appears to him, and he goes, he laughs, and he's sort of like, are you kidding me? We're going to have a baby? Please. No. And what does God do? Strikes him dumb. So you've got Mary going, hmm? You got Zachariah going, hmm. And Zachariah is struck dumb, and Mary is blessed amongst all women. Two kinds of doubt. The scripture, in its nuance, explains two kinds of doubt here. 
Now, in some Christian circles, doubts are no-no. You know, if you're young and you're, you're a teenager in the youth group and you utter some kind of doubt, all of a sudden, the, um, the youth pastor in some churches could bark at you. Well, you can't have doubt. <laughs> you sinner. Straighten up, Phil. I had lots of doubts when I became a Christian, but I knew God had changed me. But what about this? What about that? Well, you can't say this. You can't do that. You can't have this doubt. And in some conservative Christian areas, doubt, doubt, you know, even articulating a struggle is like a cardinal sin. And that's wrong because we need to create a church that engages people to understand and to grow and that doubts can be overcome. And questions can be answered. That's why we run the groups like The Quest with um, Charles and Blaine. That's why we're running Alpha in the new year. That's why we, we engage in apologetics with our pursuit students. So we doubt, but there is Mary's doubt and there's Zachariah's doubt. Zachariah gets a little clip round the head and Mary gets blessed of all women. What's the difference? I'll tell you. The difference is the kind of doubt, the nuance. See, Mary doubts for a moment in her journey with an open mind that she is willing to see what God is doing. Zachariah goes, no chance. His mind is closed at that moment. And all I ask in your Christian journey is this. And maybe you've come here and you're not even a Christian. Maybe you've been through so much that you doubt. And maybe you've got many, many questions. But what I ask you is that you do not doubt with a closed mind. But you question with an open mind that yes, God could move in my life supernaturally. I don't know how many people that I've heard this past year, maybe a handful... That when we've been witnessing and they've come for prayer and different times and we've said to them, you know, one thing, okay, you doubt, you don't believe. But why don't you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I doubt, but I, if you're there, introduce yourself to me. And a lady come to this church and she did exactly that. And she said, I sat by the... the um, the Lake Okanagan, and as I sat there, I said, well, okay then, this is what they've told me, Lord Jesus, my name is this, I introduce myself to you, feels a bit awkward, but if you are there, I am open for you to reveal yourself to me. Within one week, that lady experienced the salvation of Christ. You see, you can have a closed mind or an open mind. And we need to have an open mind. So Mary's thoughtfulness is a beautiful thing. But Mary traveled through stages. And I think so often we forget that our Christian journey is a next step, is a stage of revelation and understanding. It's a step-by-step -step process. Now, of course, 
You know, for some people, for me indeed, although I had many, many questions, the night I became a Christian in that, that Plymouth Brethren church, sat on the balcony about where you are, and the Holy Spirit came down, and I came straight down. The church was about this big. And I came to the front. I experienced, like the Philippian jailer, boom, God came into my life. There was no doubt. John Bunyan, who wrote the second most famous book in the world that up until the Harry Potter series, I suppose, sold the most books in the world. John Bunyan has sold more books than anybody ever apart from the Bible. John Bunyan took him 18 months of agonizing journey until one day he went from one stage to another to another until he met Jesus Christ as his savior. Some people are on a journey some people are boom. It's a process or a crisis. But we know that God is always working with people. So let's read on. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Okay? You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Wow. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. She's still asking, how? How will this be? I think for many of us, in our journey with God and God's plan in our life, we've all said this, how can this be? How can this really be? How can a man die on a cross and save my soul and give me the gift of eternity? How can a man, after being crucified and beaten and so his body so broken that the grave can break open and he can rise again and 500 people can see him, how can this be? It's impossible. I'm a virgin. It's impossible. And if there hasn't been a moment in your life where you've said to yourself, this is impossible, it's incredible, this is unbelievable then I wonder whether you've really experienced the true nature of Christianity. Because the true nature of Christianity is that it's not about your belief and your hard work and your kind of... Christianity is not the kind of thing you decide one day, oh, I'm going to try and be a Christian a little harder. Christianity is an experience where the unbelievable happens right in your life. And the reason you're sat here on a Sunday morning and not in bed eating marmalade and toast and drinking cups of tea and reading, I don't know, whatever you read, is because you had a moment of impossibility when you were a lost sinner and suddenly Christ saved you. Christianity is a religion of revelation. Not hard work. And you've received the revelation. She received it. How? How? This is impossible. 
This is crazy. How will this be, Mary asked. And the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. My uncle was as passionate atheist as I am a Christian. We used to sit and talk, and he used to throw back. We actually look like each other. When you see a picture of my uncle, who's no longer with us, and myself, we've got the same. He was old and still had hair, and, and he was, you know, he, had, he always looked slightly tired. And, and everybody said, are you tired? He'd go, no, but that's me. And, and he'd be like this, and he'd talk, and he'd say, he'd, I remember he'd say to me, it was at dinner with him, he'd say, uh, Philip, Philip, virgins do not give birth to babies. It's as simple as that. It's biologically impossible. Well, yes, what is impossible for man is possible for God. And that is the revelation part. It, it, this is impossible. No, we're talking about the creative heaven and earth. And then I knew the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One is to be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her six months. I love the way the angel's giving family details. There's no texting back then, is there? There's no WhatsApp. Hey, this is Cousin Elizabeth. I'm pregnant. Do you see Elizabeth on Instagram? That's amazing. She's with child. And we never thought that that old couple, I mean, they're drawing their pension. How they would end up doing that. For no word from God will ever fail. So when God speaks it, God does it. No word will ever fail. I wonder about your life. The true mark of a true believer is to be able to look at the word of God and to say, I believe this word of God and I'm committed to following it for the rest of my life. Also the true mark of a believer is saying, no matter what God throws at me and no matter what Life throws at me, I am still going to follow his plan because he is my Lord. Those two things mark us as devoted Christians. A belief in God's word and a belief in God's plan for our lives. For no word from God will ever fail. God said it, God will do it. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. Notice what's happened now. She's gone from, what's going on? I am thoughtful. This is troubling. Let's do an audit. Is this really true? I need to get over my prejudices. I need to get over my doubt. I need to be open to God. How on earth could this happen? This is amazing. 
This is impossible. This is unheard of. I've never had anything like this. Gosh, I am completely speechless to when she finally lands in verse 38. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. Isn't that where every one of us needs to land? I am the Lord's servant. I submit. I trust. I will follow your plan. And what does she do in the next few verses? She moves on to sing a song of praise to God. She moves on to Mary's great song. She sings of the greatness of the history. She sings of all that God has done. She sings of the glory of God. She's gone from worry and anxiety to the place of worship. She's gone from doubt and confusion and impossibility to the place of amazement and wonder and worship. She's gone on a journey where she now worships and she says, I am willing, my heart is open, I am available, and therefore I, Mary, surrender my whole life to God. Your journey is not so different to Mary's actually. When God reveals himself to you, we do question and we do doubt and we do weigh it up and we do do an audit. We do think it through. But God takes us from the audit all the way through to the adoration and the closeness and the surrender. And we surrender and we go, okay, God, you're the creator of heaven and earth. I believe your word and I believe your plan. I submit to it even though this is going to be difficult. Because I'm going to have to convince a whole village that I did not have sex with Joseph before marriage. I'm going to have to convince Joseph that I was not unfaithful in our engagement. And forevermore, Jesus will be known as illegitimate. And forevermore, people will whisper and point about me and talk about me and judge me. And they don't know the truth. And I've got to carry this baby and be talked about and be judged by people. But this is going to be hard, particularly for a teenage girl. And how am I going to cope with this? But I submit to you, God, because I am your servant. I am your servant. I am your servant. I am your servant. May your word be fulfilled. And then the angel left. The angel got what he wanted. We got a deal here. I'm your servant. Your word, Lord, be fulfilled. Can I ask you to live your life like that with the Lord? I am your servant. I am your servant. May your word in me be fulfilled. I am your servant. May your word in me be fulfilled. Why would you allow God to be your co-pilot and not your pilot? Why would you treat God as some kind of 
spiritual consultant in your life rather than serving him with all your heart. Do you know, where we sit here in Kelowna, to the sun itself, it is 93 million miles. If you imagine for a moment that that is, that length of 93 million miles is the width of a piece of paper. So less than a millimeter, half a millimeter perhaps. A piece of paper from here to the sun. And from here to fly to the nearest star, well, that is 70 feet of pieces of paper in distance. And across the Milky Way, the galaxy, it's 300 miles of pieces of paper stacked across distance. And then we've got our galaxy, but our galaxy, the Milky Way, is one of billions of galaxies that are now declared to be uncountable, as many as the sands on the seashore. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? That there are billions of galaxies out there. And then Hebrews tells me that Jesus holds the whole of creation together. Now that tells me that I don't want to demote God to be my personal consultant or demote God to be my co-pilot. I want to say to God, you are the creator. I am the servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for the faith of Mary. Mary was thoughtful. Mary traveled through stages. Mary was willing to say, I am your servant. And Mary was willing to submit everything to God. Blessed be her amongst all women. Let's stand to pray. Friends, the challenge is your willingness to submit to God's word and your willingness to submit to God's plan even though you do not understand this impossible plan that you seem to be in. So for a moment, pause and respond to God's word. Respond to God's plan. Respond to God's journey. Maybe recommit your life to Christ. Maybe this morning invite Jesus in for the first time as Lord and Savior. And allow the Lord to fill you to work in you and let the Christmas miracle continue in your life.
I pray, Lord, that I may, as I walk forward in my life, walk with a thoughtfulness and discern your ways. And your ways are not often my ways. Lord, I realize that I'm on a journey and I ask you, Lord, to take me to my next step and to take us all to our next step, our next stage. I pray, Lord, that we will, like Mary, surrender and receive. And I pray that our struggle will turn into a glorious song in our heart, like Mary. Our striving will turn into a glorious song of the Lord in our lives, I ask. So Lord, in the final moments of this gathering, take us to the Holy of Holies and help us to submit and declare, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant.